0: I'm Nick Abrahams, and welcome to Web3 From Mystery to Main Street, the podcast where we talk about how technologies like crypto, DeFi, NFTs, and the metaverse are being successfully embraced by mainstream businesses. Hello, and today we're going to focus on a topic which has been very much at the forefront of media attention in recent times, and that is around stablecoins and I'm delighted to have it joining me on the show today, Bianca Bates, and Bianca is the Head of Payments at JP Morgan for Australia and New Zealand. Bianca, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Nick. Lovely to, to be here today with you.
0: Terrific. I really appreciate you coming on because it's a fascinating topic, and Um, We know that, you know, JP Morgan has been a trailblazer in the Web3 space. And so back in 2019, you released the JPM coin, and that was sort of the first of its kind, and we'll hear a little bit more about that. But um, we've obviously seen, you know, a terrific rise in stable coins over recent times. And we had, of course, the collapse of uh, sort of Terra Luna recently. And so maybe just to give people a sense of what it is that we're talking about, could you sort of give us a sense of what do you see as a stable coin and also, you know, what's the essence of the JPM coin?
1: Yeah, no, thanks, Nick. And I think it's it's great to kind of start off um, with this because I think, um, you know, given that these um, are quite new concepts, a lot of people use a lot of terminology interchangeably. Yeah. So um, great that we can kind of benchmark and level set um, what we're actually talking about. So um, so to me, um, a stable coin, um, it is a type of um, cryptocurrency, um, but the nature of a stablecoin is that it's pegged to, to an actual physical asset. So... You know, whether that asset, you know, for instance, in the case of ANZ's recently launched um, stablecoin, the Aussie dollar, um, so a fiat currency of sorts, or whether it's backed by some other type of, of commodity or a measure of value. Um, so, for instance, Tether, you know, that stablecoin is supposed to be backed by cash and, and other types um, of assets like commercial paper. Um, So stablecoin really differs from cryptocurrency, the cryptocurrency we're talking about, such as Bitcoin, um, in that, you know, it has a pegged and measured value underlying it. You know, the the cryptocurrency, um, actually, its value is determined by what people, you know, the supply and demand for actually um, the Bitcoin itself. Um, and I think the, the essence of why stable coins have come about is because people do want to, um, to trade in you know, the digital asset space. It's becoming a lot more prevalent, a lot more common, um, and they wanted some type um, of a way to transact, you know, so to make the payments, which is essential to a digital asset, um, but have a little bit um, more confidence in terms of the value of what they're getting so um so the stable coin um, has, has kind of come up um, that can be used in the context of you know trading in the digital um,
0: asset world great so it's so i guess it's a in a sense it's it's really rather than sort of paying for something with bitcoin and and obviously there's a lot of volatility in bitcoin if you are uncomfortable with with that um you would you know, you would request payment in a stable coin or do a payment by way of stable coin because the, basically, you know, depending on which sort of stable coin, but we assume that the stable coin is pegged to that um, that physical asset, be it the US dollar, Aussie dollar, etc. But the idea is to give uh, confidence to people that in effect what they're using is, I guess, the technical infrastructure of crypto to facilitate a payment but without that sort of volatility that you get in crypto and more just you know, the volatility or lack of volatility that exists in a fiat currency is it is that the the sort of proposition to customers
1: yeah exactly i think that's exactly um what the the stable client is designed um to do um, and why it came came has come about as
0: well yeah and so, so you guys started with JPM Coin, and it, it is called JPM Coin, is it? I'm, I'm correct. Correct, yeah yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, great.
0: Um, so you, I mean, you launched that, I think mean, it's a few years ago. Well, in crypto terms, you know, 2019 is is sort of at least two crypto winters ago. So um, so it was a little, little, you know, very early mover. Um, can you give us a bit of a sense of sort of are there, are there specific use cases, you know, which sort of customers... Uh, are asking for it. I, I assume it has application in terms of cross border money transfer. But so, what sort of organisations are um, are reaching out to use JPM Coin?
1: Yeah, yeah sure. And maybe I, I might start by just giving you a little bit of an introduction on JPMorgan Coin. Perfect. Um, that would be great. So it's it's um, the name is a little bit of a misnomer. So um, we don't um, see that the JPMorgan Coin. Um, is a stable coin or okay. a, a cryptocurrency itself. Um, so, the way we describe it, the, the JP Morgan coin, it's a deposit keeping system on a blockchain. So, it uses the underlying blockchain um, technology, um, but essentially it's a ledger um, deposit that reflects it. So, it's a tokenized deposit. Um, at the moment, um, we've got it in US dollars, um, although we are looking to expand you know, that, that um, in the future. Um, so really um, needed to make it very clear um, that we view it as a, a tokenized deposit um, and not um, kind of a, a, a stable coin um, as, as such. So I think um, you know maybe, somewhat kind of controversially, um, I think you know, we don't believe that we need kind of new forms of, of money, um, but we're really interested in using the technology um, that's underpinning you know, Web3, um, and, and, um, et cetera, to um, try and make the system a lot more um, efficient um, and try and solve some of the existing kind of pain points um, that actually um, operate in the system today. Um so for instance as you mentioned you know the JP Morgan Coin it's designed to move cash around the world Um, 24-7. So in the current world um, of of payments and money movements, um, you know, cross-border transactions, you know, you run into things like uh, cut-off times, um, etc. So this is really meant to um, reflect that, you know, new movement to 24-7 and also then kind of link in with the digital asset world um, and facilitate the payment leg. Um, of that um, and those, that digital asset world is really working kind of 24-7 now.
0: It's, it, you raise a fantastic point, which is I think, well, well, many of us have had that problem, which is, oh, no, the bank's cut off. You know, if you're waiting for a big sort of uh, payment to come in a transaction and it's like, oh, no, the bank's, uh, you know, we need to get it done by, you know, 12.30 or 1 p.m., uh, where the money's coming from because, you know, they need that time before the banks close. Um, it's, I, I hadn't really thought of that. That's a, it's a very sort of old concept, isn't it? You know, we, given we operate in a 24-7 world and so the proposition with JP Morgan coin is that you you could, you wouldn't have that issue. So if you needed to transfer, you know, let's say it's that like $10 million um, to complete an M&A transaction, you could you could do that. There would be no sort of get it done by two PM in order for it to occur. You you could do it sort of at any time during that twenty four seven. And and would it be significantly quicker? Does it take you know a period of time for the transaction to occur and to be recorded in I guess the receiving bank to, to the extent that such a thing exists?
1: Yeah. Uh, look, it's it's twenty four seven and it's instantaneous. Um, right. So so pretty much within within seconds. Um, and it operates as I said, seven days, you know, so Saturday, Sunday, which traditionally, you know, hasn't been the way that the payments um, have worked. Um, so at the moment, the, the J.P. Morgan coin system is um, an internal system, so we move money just around the J.P. Morgan network. Okay. Um, but there is um, work underway and um, there is um, a, a company that, that's been established called Partia. Um, J.P. Morgan is one of the founding members of Partia together with um, DBS and, and Um And what that's designed to do is to, to move um, multi-currency, multi-country um, movements of money around the world. So, um, so that's really the next extension of of the JP Morgan coin. You know, multi bank, multi currency um, movements on the blockchain. So, making sure that we still get the benefits of that you know, instantaneous, twenty four seven movement. Um, I think the the other aspect um, of the the technology that um, is really powerful, um, not only is there the 24-7 movement, but there's also the element of programmability that's available um, through um, using blockchain technology for this. Um, So it means that clients, um, customers can actually, you know, um, make triggers for themselves um, as to how and when they want to make uh, payments. Um, And smart contracts can also be linked to this. And so, once you know, a condition of the contract's being fulfilled, then you can have payment being made instantaneously so it kind of takes away um, the need for you know, people to actually be looking at, tracking, monitoring, releasing, giving instructions to release um, that, that payment as well. So I think that's another kind of important element and benefits that we also see in terms of the adoption of, of this um, technology.
0: Yeah, it's it's a fantastic uh way to to i guess innovate on on what is you know and and critically so that that there are a lot of checks and balances and so forth and um payment directions and it feels like we've been working with that similar-ish system for a while there's been obviously advances in it but yet to be able to pre-program that and then i guess you know the the smart contract depending on how smart it is is uh, allowing reporting, and then I imagine you know allowing you know regulators and so forth um, to get more comfortable with that. So that's fantastic. Yeah. And so, so the future of the JP Morgan coin is that you know at, at some stage it it will be available to to clients and and together with uh, those other uh, banks that you or the other organisations that you mentioned in that consortium. And so, so there would be the ability to send money around sort of between each of those banks. Is that, is that correct?
1: Yeah, look, and I think that's what we're, we're working towards, like kind of um, distributed um, systems but shared networks. And okay. so there has to be an element of interoperability, um, which is one thing that I, I think we're kind of working towards. Um, you know, it's just at the, the initial stages, but certainly, you know, we want to have this shared network. Um, and you need that to have kind of that network effect and really yeah. benefit, um, uh, you know, the, the community as a whole.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. No, it's very so, interesting. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I think uh, so with, with Terra Luna, I think that really uh, shone a very bright light on on the stable coin world, if you like, and um, I think just to clarify for folks that um, you know, you mentioned Tether, which is uh, uh, you know that's so so you've got Terra Luna as an algorithmic stable coin, and then you've got Tether, which is a you know we believe to be a backed stablecoin, represented as you said by uh, US dollars and and some forms of commercial paper, and there's, there's obviously a lot of a lot of discussion, and there were some regulatory inquiries in relation to Tether. Um, and then we've got, so, and I know the JP Morgan coin isn't a stable coin, but if we, maybe just to put it into context, because I think people need to get comfortable that uh, what happened to Terra Luna is not going to happen to these others. And so Terra Luna, algorithmic, so no, although there's a small amount of of actual cryptocurrency backing behind it, but, but effectively the peg between the, um, uh, the crypto or the stablecoin and the US dollar, um, was kept in place by some brilliant maths and, but some market assumptions that turned out to be a bit flawed. Um, and so the peg got broken and that algorithmic stablecoin, uh, collapsed. But then you come to a tether. So you'd be hopefully you should be a bit more comfortable with that. How, how uh, from a JP Morgan coin point of view, how do people get comfortable? That you know, this actually reflects value. Is it because it's sort of backed by J.P. Morgan? Or how do, how do we get that level of comfort that I should trust that uh, you know, when I'm receiving these funds, that actually there's real funds behind them?
1: Yeah. So, so the the J.P. Morgan coin is just a, a digital. It's actually a, a record, a book record keeping system. Okay. So, right. you know, we have you know the coin system that is a ledger um a ledger system, but in the back of that, there's actually U, like US dollars um, that, that is that. So it's just a reflection um, in terms of um, on a on a record keeping system on a, on a bookkeeping system. So um, in that in that case, look uh, it's very different, I think, kind of two stable coins. As I said, it's really um, a kind of you know it's actually kind of a tokenized deposit. So it's kind of um, just the ledger. Um, in
0: terms of what it is okay so you so you're actually sitting on let's say fiat currency and and the the jpm coin is really a bookkeeping uh representation of that fiat deposit that you've got is that that correct correct
1: yeah so exactly it's a great way to to explain what, what it is yeah
0: Okay, great. Well, I mean, it seems like stable coins have, uh, some wonderful applications in payments, but particularly given what we've seen with Terra Luna and so forth, and the US has just, you know, looked at, um, that regulating stable coins. I guess, can you give us a bit of a sense? What, what are your thoughts around, uh, you know, I guess the need for regulating stable coins and, and how that might be done?
1: Yeah, so, um, look, I think recent events have really kind of put the spotlight well and truly um, onto, onto stablecoins um, and I do think it's just a, a matter of time before regulators um, in, in, in all jurisdictions uh, kind of look and, and get around to regulating uh, the stablecoins. Um, I think, you know, stablecoins need to be backed um by you know whatever they're meant to be pegged to yep. um so i think you know recent events like you've been been talking about um has really shone a spotlight into to whether that's actually the case or not yep. um in terms of that um and given that they need to hold these assets they also take kind of liquidity out of the system um out of the ecosystem that could be used for other things such as lending so i right. do think there's lot more kind of discussion um, in terms of stable coins um, and how they operate and their broader impact and the need um, to, to regulate them. So, you know, stable coins have, have kind of been an evolution out of the, the cryptocurrency space. And that was really quite an un, unregulated um, space. Um, and there's also, you know, a lot of, of talk about transparency um, that might exist in that system. So particularly when we're talking about you know, money laundering, um, the type of how do you know who's actually holding um, and, and who people are. Um, so I do think um, with recent events uh, like uh, with the Ukraine and Russia and the impact of sanctions, etc. Um, you know, certainly there's been more focus as well on making sure Um, that, you know, we um, are thinking about, you know, regulation from that perspective um, as well. So, you know, there's been a lot of um, conversation lately in the US, as as you referenced. I think there's um, some draft legislation. You know, the Treasury Secretary um, spoke recently, given given the events that that happened in in the um, stablecoin space um about about regulation and the links to stable coins for the broader economy um and from an Australian um, perspective you know I know that there's some discussion about you know whether stable coins um, should be um, linked more to the existing you know, store of value regulation that that we have uh in, in uh, in Australia, um, but but I do think it will take a little while for um, regulation to catch up with the speed of innovation that's happened in that space. So, um, you know, I think in Australia they're talking about consultations uh, this year into 2023 20, um, and probably, um, you know, looking to, to formulate something in the next couple of years, but I do think, you know, it's uh, caught the attention of regulators, um, but given the speed of which things are developing in this space, you know, uh, regulators also have to, um, you know, really, um, you know, get up to speed um, with, you know, how things are working and, and the actual um, impacts um, that it might have. Um, so, so I think it's an education um, game as well in terms of of, of that. So um, yes, look, I think it will come, but uh, I don't know how how quickly um, it, it will come and what the final form um, will be in terms of that.
0: Yeah and i think i i think that's right and i think the there's probably a need for us to think about this at a sort of global level and obviously global regulation is incredibly difficult to pull off but um you know because banking and payments is is of its nature a a global business so uh presumably there'll need to be some sort of commonality across geographies so and it it does strike me that you know, if we look at what happened with Terra Luna, it's a lot of money—somewhere uh, between forty and eighty billion dollars of value—disappearing, um, you know, in a, in a space of a couple of days. Um, and and then you see what's happened with you know the DeFi protocol Celsius, just um, you know effectively suspending um, d- deposits being or withdrawals, you know. And, and I think there's. There's a, there's, there are parts of the of the Web three community, and you know, I'm, I I think it's great to experiment with these things, but you know, I, I am concerned for consumers, particularly who you know can possibly afford to lose that sort of money, and you know, particularly with things like DeFi, we're seeing uh, you know interest rates of eighteen to twenty percent, and it just it, that defies. Logic and I guess the old saying: if something's too good to be true. There might be something to that, but um, perhaps a subject for another day. I'm just interested. You mentioned um, at the outset that you know there is interest from from your clients, and and I mean, what's sort of driving uh, the way JP Morgan sort of looks at Web three, and particularly sort of the JP Morgan Coin? Is it Is it sort of driven by, are there particular clients who are saying, you know what, we, we want to understand how you, JP Morgan, can innovate to help us? Is that, is that sort of the pull through or is it more JP Morgan sort of looking to the future and saying, you know what, there's a good opportunity for us. We should, we should get there.
1: Yeah, I think it's um, that we have a lot of um, clients whether they're financial institutions corporates um, that really want to partner and co-create with us uh, in this okay. space and, uh, and a lot of people that, that believe that this technology will fundamentally you know change the way that we will be operating um so for, for instance for the for the coin you know we are um, one client we're working with um, is Siemens um, so you know they're using JP Morgan Coin um, to move uh, money around there at their account, right? Um, and you know it's uh, the reason they're looking at it is really from a from an operational, um, you know, manual processing save. So as they are um, business is becoming you know, more um, you know, focused on uh, delivering to the consumer. So as everyone's going online, as e-commerce becomes more prevalent, you know, traditional you know, um, models of you know, selling to a distributor and the distributor sends to consumers is really breaking down. So as you get more kind of focused uh, directly on consumers, Um, the volume of payments that you need to move and also the the, the value also changes somewhat as well. So if you can become a lot more efficient in terms of, um, the way that you're making your, your payments move around, um, you can really maximize your your working capital and, and liquidity. Um, so what, what uh, Siemens is doing is, is using uh, particular triggers. so going back again to the point of you know, the uh, programmability um, you know, of, um, of this technology um and at certain triggers will move money you know around their their accounts um and so that really helps them um from you know a operational um as well as um as a liquidity um perspective um, and it's something that you know we've um, spent a fair bit of time developing you know we have a dashboard uh, that you know clients can actually go and if it's relatively easy to use, so I've seen it, and, and I'm not a, a coder or anything like that by background, but I, I thought even I can use it. So um, my children use um, Scratch um, for, you know, learning how to code, right. and it's very yeah. similar to that, the way it right. kind of looks and feels. So, you know, a client can kind of, can go in there and say, okay, if um, if X occurs, then move, you know, $100. Right account count count why, um, and you can get very kind of detailed and have a <laughs> lot of hits and and but so. But if that account is less than a hundred dollars, oh. then leave it in that account. Oh. So it really gives um, a lot of power um to um to 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 customers um to be able to to manage um you know their working capital and and their liquidity in a, in a much more efficient manner so um so that's certainly what we're we're, we're seeing um from from clients
0: oh I, I think i think you you know it's like a cfo's dream come true isn't it, that um that ability to to set in place those sorts of orders and and just have you know the, uh, uh, the 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 machinery do that. And so just, just to be just to clarify, so right at the moment, uh, J.P. Morgan Coin would work for a large organisation. You mentioned Siemens, but only with respect to their ability to move um, funds within that particular organisation. So you're not you're not actually paying third parties, but you are you know, sweeping accounts and and um, and moving funds between operating entities, I imagine, cross-border, is that
1: Correct, that that that's exactly what, um, how it works. Yeah, um, and I think as I touched on before, it's it's just within JP Morgan network at the of moment. That yeah. is something that we are looking at trying to to build a broader network so you can do uh, multi bank um, as well. Um, and, and I think that's sort of a, a goal of um, what uh, you know the company part here is is, is attempting to do as well. Um, but you know, for that we really need to have you know uh, standard. And protocols that we all agree on, and I think we're a little bit um, away fr- from yeah. that. Um, and it's something yeah. that the industry has to um, has to move towards.
0: Yeah, no, there's a there's obviously significant complexity in working on those sorts of arrangements across so many different stakeholders. Uh, I guess just one final uh, piece of uh, or, of advice, I guess, that you might have to. You know, CFOs and and others who engage with uh, with the banking solutions for their organisations. What advice do you have about you know, what what should they be doing right now? At what level does it make sense to start thinking about? Hang on, maybe I can do this a bit smarter. Maybe I can use JP Morgan Coin, um, etc.
1: Look, I think um, it's it's the right time at the moment to start to start thinking about this. So the technology has been has been proven. Um, I think everyone thinks that we're going to move more towards you know that that DeFi technology. So um, the sooner you know, the organisation can kind of have a look at what benefits that technology can give to them um, from you know their operations through to their, their their liquidity management and working right. capital um, I really think um, that's that the time to start thinking about it now whether you're, you're you're large or small um and particularly as you know things are, are moving more towards you know, e-commerce yep. um, i think it's only going to to become more you know instantaneous real time is the, the requirement now um and it, because it's the expectation of consumers um in in this day and age
0: a- absolutely i think that's uh, that's fantastic and so i guess for for those that are listening, if you are CFOs, then you should uh, make your way to Bianca's door. And um, if you're not a CFO, you should uh, send a link to uh, to this interview to your CFO. I'm sure they would enjoy it. Um, so Bianca, thank you very much. Really appreciate it, very exciting. Congratulations to you and the whole JP Morgan team on, on really being a leading light in this space and uh, wish you all the very best. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Web3 from Mystery to Mainstream. Nothing in this podcast is legal or financial advice. Have a great day. And remember, every organisation needs a Web3 strategy.